Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Bienvenidos a Latino Founder Hour. Les saluda Edgar Navas, fundador de Clica. Y Silvia Salazar, fundadora de Tono Latino. Muy feliz viernes a todos. Gracias por acompañarnos y súper contentos de que salió el sol. Primer ¿no? viernes de mayo. De mayo, ya increíble. Ya, ya estamos a mediados del segundo trimestre. Y bueno, pues eh, hoy tenemos este un, una invitada de la una organización a la que ya tuvimos el año pasado. Nos da mucho gusto de, 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 de estar aquí todavía. Y ahora escuchar los avances, saber qué, qué más ha pasado con Latina Geeks. Y le damos la bienvenida, lo vamos a hacer en inglés ahora, eh, pero le damos la bienvenida a Vanessa Miranda desde San Diego. ¿Cómo estás, Vanessa? Buenos días. Hi, good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. And you know what? Super happy, like I said, you know, um, to have this. this is, you, you know, you guys are the first guests that repeat. You know, we had Tania Salcido last year, mm -hmm. uh, one of our first podcasts. And it was fascinating to hear from him. You know, we you know, we made new friends, but we wanted to hear from you. But, you know, let's start from the from the, the very beginning. You know, who who's Vanessa? We follow you on Twitter, but we want uh, the audience to know who you are. Yeah, definitely. Um, I work as a project manager at an IT firm in downtown San Diego, and that's kind of like my, you know, my career. But basically, I've been involved with organizations like Latina Geeks and Girls in Tech for the last, um, Latina Geeks the last year, but Girls in Tech for the last two years. So essentially, I've kind of just been giving my time to organizations that promote women in technology in various Um, spaces like that. When I got into technology about four years ago, there really wasn't any um, Latina-focused tech group. I work right now, my company with all men, we have two women that work remotely. They're amazing, but it was just kind of trying to find that space of where are people like me, um, A, women, and B, Latina women. So I remember going online looking for, you know, women in tech, Latinas in tech, and Latina geeks came up. And when I found them, they were just an online presence. They had a lot of great articles and social media things about like the latest gadgets or latest trends in technology which was super cool but it was still not a space to go and interact with uh, women in tech that are latinas so kind of from that kind of stemmed my curiosity of finding more organizations similar um i kind of spent my time volunteering at different organizations such as like wonder woman tech conference uh Worthy Women Conference, like Geek Girl Tech, Startup San Diego, a lot of spaces like that, but it still wasn't super Latina focused. And when I remember I was listening to Tanya's podcast before I actually jumped on when she had their first workshop is when I went down there to Irvine to kind of connect with them and say, hey, you know, San Diego is such a big hub of Latinos down here. And every time I go to a workshop or um, a tech meetup or kind of I do a lot of classes to like increase my technical, like my tech skills, it's not, I mean, there's no one that really looks like me there. So oh, wow. from there kind of stemmed the organization of coming down here. They already had a contact that they were working with. Um, Anna Reyes, who's incredible. She's been in the tech space for about 20 years at Sony and now LPL Financial. And she's the president and I'm basically the vice president here in San Diego. I am 
both like super excited and mm -hmm. sort of having FOMO right now because I didn't <laughs> know about this. But yeah. Yeah. I'm like we were saying right before we started, I'm a Latina, I'm a geek, mm -hmm. I'm super a computer geek. engineer, like yeah. super geek. I, like, yeah, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons by myself. Super. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a closeted gamer. Well, not so much closeted if I already put it out in a podcast. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I, I completely understand everything you're saying because I'm used mm -hmm. to not only being the only technical woman in the room, I'm also used to being the only Latina in the room. Um, mm -hmm. And that adds all of this the word the, of the year now or the, the intersectionality of those things coming together and definitely feeling just isolated and like there's nobody else in the room that understands your perspectives or where you're coming from. Um, and yeah. if I'd had an organization like Latina Geeks, I, I think a lot of things would have been different because it's very hard to get support mm -hmm. and understanding from other people when, I don't know, there's there's issues that you face as a woman um, that that men don't understand. And even if they're, I mean, I, I was blessed with some really good managers that were very understanding, but there's mm -hmm. just certain things that you don't feel comfortable, uh, you know, telling mm -hmm. them. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think also men and women perceive things differently, not yeah. right or wrong, but there's sometimes you can be in a situation and you're wondering like, Am I overreacting? Am I bringing my bias into this? So it's really nice to have a community of women like you and, you know, from different backgrounds of technology as well that say, hey, I've experienced this and this is what I did or, or no, actually, that's good. That's what does happen in this environment. So like, then you can move forward confidently as opposed to kind of second guessing yourself in a role that you're already, I mean, I was reading, I think last week, like Latinas only hold 2% of the STEM jobs, of STEM jobs. Wow. And then, you know, so that's still really drastically small so latina geeks and latinas in tech latinas who code you know shop latinx like all these kind of communities are really starting to build momentum now and do really incredible things so even if you don't know if there's something in your city like go online and you can find something there's so many groups now that you can really reach out to and everyone is more than helpful to share their knowledge or their contacts or you know what may or may not have worked for them Yeah. Now, and a question for both of you. I mean, obviously, I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm a man. Uh, but what inspired you to, you know, to go into the tech world? I mean, do you have a parent that's in the tech industry or? You know, it's so interesting. So um, both my parents are from Mexico. When I moved, when we, when they moved over here and had me, um, I think that I was really trying to like assimilate and be as American as I could be when I was in high school and things like that. Even looking back, but that part of like you can't really cut like take away your culture or who you are. So as I kind of got older and started working in different spaces, I my background's really marketing and art. I started working. I was, you know, that kind of field is very women dominated or there was a lot of women in there so it was great but it was still not latina women so it was like when ideas are being presented or different collaborations or sponsorships it's kind of like how does that align with who i am it doesn't mm -hmm. how does that maybe certain copy or things that are being shared aren't you know politically correct or things like that um when i moved to san diego i knew that i really wanted to be in the tech space because it was so interesting to me and they were really creating you know this is the future kind of and they're creating to Technologies is doing different things that are every company now is essentially a tech company, um, whether you're in finance or architecture, or things yeah. like that. 
So when I came down here, I remember like interviewing at various places. My into the tech company that I'm working at now was through marketing. I was doing their marketing, um, a lot of account management, things like that. And then my role kind of trans- grew into the project manager. So now I work with a team of techs who are great. They uh, like I learned a lot. I started doing like tech um, assessments, like the the CompTIA cybersecurity stuff. So it's kind of just being thrown in and I was just interested. It could have been one way or another. I could have worked here and said, no, you know, cloud backups, these things there aren't for me, but it was just so interesting for me. And it wasn't something that I was exposed to when I was younger. I think the extent of my tech skills when I was younger is like coding on MySpace and, you know, creating my little MySpace and doing all this stuff on that. Like that was pretty much the extent of that for me. Oh, wow. And, and Sylvia? Yeah. Uh, well, my dad is yeah. an engineer, and my <clears throat> um, my maternal grandfather was an engineer, but I never I never met him. So I was heavily influ- influenced by my father. But you're in DNA, yeah. It's in the yes. DNA. Yes. Uh, he's an electrical yeah. engineer, and he would bribe me during dinner with mm-hmm. equations. If I solved for X, I would get dessert. Oh, wow. Which for me actually (laughs) worked. So I know that it's it's a it's a system that works for certain people. I am very much a a, a, you know a reward kind of person. Like I'll Mm -hmm. do anything for stickers and little points, like on ways. (laughs) Ridiculous. I mean, literally, I was in labor getting ways points. On oh, wow. on, on yeah <laughs> okay. yeah so I will do anything for those little points and my dad would bribe me and it was like well if you solve this equation you get dessert and so that's how I was like very I was introduced very early to algebra and it was mm-hmm. a very positive reinforcement which I'm sure there's you know psychologists right now that would say you shouldn't use dessert in that way or something but for <laughs> me it definitely worked. And yeah. my mother was a teacher um, for, you know, primary grades. But there was never this conception of or this misconception that girls can't do math or anything. That was oh, never, absolutely. never, and, never, yeah. never a discussion Definitely. in my house. And my mom loved math. My dad obviously loved math. So I was very fortunate to grow up with this example and this there was never this limitation of like, oh, you're a girl, you and can't you, do and math. And you know what? To me, Definitely. it's surprising. I don't know. If, I, I'm going to tell you an anecdote. My, my oldest daughter is 15. Br- brilliant kid. Super bright. But when she was in six, okay, you know, like four or five years ago, she had, she in her brain, like, oh, I'm not good at math. I'm like, yes, you are. And we kept going like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? So we, you know, uh, you know, some things we had to test it because, you know, she was presenting some maybe ADHD, which she was not. Mm-hmm. But uh, at sixth grade, she was doing ninth grade math. That's incredible. And it was like, kid, look, here you are. And like, where do you, but, but to me, it's like, where do you get that idea that you, you because you're a girl, or, you know, you can't do math. I mean, just like, I, I, I don't, I obviously it's not in the house, but. I have noticed that is more of it. And I cannot speak to Colombian schools right now, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that I do see a huge contrast of this misconception that math that girls can't do math and m- girls are not good at technical things it's i've seen it more here i never grew up or any of my mm-hmm. classmates there was n- this was not a thing mm-hmm. there's yeah, a I lot more of my classmates that are female engineers it's just okay yeah, no, so i don't know, I, I don't know that if there's something 
in the education here that kind of yeah. hints to Because, that. Because, again, I can guarantee it was not in our house. Uh So yeah, definitely. That's just, like, just noticed something that I have noticed that there's more of like the youth here that says, "Oh, girls are not good at math. Girls are not mm -hmm. technical." Whereas when I was growing up, this was not a thing at all. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny because we're we're way more of a chauvinistic culture, saying like, "Oh, the women need to do the dishes and all that stuff and cook." No, definitely. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting. I went to a uh, like a panel about women in technology um, in an inner city, and we were had some kids from different areas, and I was talking to this young girl. She was about 15, and she was saying, oh, you know, math and science not, is not cool. And I was telling her, because she was interested in my job and what I did, and I'm like, well, that's what I work in. Like, there's a lot of math, a lot of science, but whatever you're good at, you can still find a role in tech. Don't automatically say, I can never do this. And she's like, well, that's for nerds. Like, the nerds, you know, like, she already was cutting herself off of everything because because she thought math or technology or being a coder, things like that, were nerdy. So I was trying to also dissect, like, wh what's wrong with being a nerd? What, like, where do you under, like, where do you understand that Nerds that's not rule okay? the world. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, no, <laughs> but I think that's where things like Lati organizations like Latina mm -hmm. Geeks and yeah. the other ones you mentioned are mm -hmm. great for setting an example of, oh, a nerd is not. Something the, bad. the something bad or the image that we had of a nerd back in the 90s that it was like the this the, this the, the, the super know, lanky you know uh, socially yeah. awkward, awkward kid with the pocket protector and the snot going down his nose that doesn't know how to like no there are very mm -hmm. geeky people that are awesome and setting that you know Example for the younger generation, they're like, "Oh, I don't have to be the snotty kid with the pocket protector. I can be like whoever. You can be who you are. Yeah, you exactly. Know, especially all these incredible women-founded companies like, say, Stitch Fix or Glossier. Those women are nerds. Those women excelled in their, mm -hmm. you know, school and beyond. Like those. So nerd is like not a demeaning word by absolutely not. It should be a badge of honor. And, and you know what? Yeah. We, we, here in the podcast, we have some amazing women. I mean, just incredible. Uh, you know, out of California, the East Coast, West Coast, all throughout, and and it just you know serves. A, a, Peru, you know, Peru last week. Yeah, yeah. last week mm -hmm. from Peru. Amazing. A young girl. You know, in tech, phenomenal story. I mean, she's incredibly mm -hmm. driven. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, through you know organizations like Latina Geeks, what you guys are doing, and social media, we can, you know, expand mm -hmm. this and, and, you know, m make the message be clear. Definitely. And I think um, I personally love Twitter for finding new groups or new women that are doing incredible stuff all over the world, especially Latinas. And even when women come to our event to this day, all of our Latina Geeks events sell out and there's always oh, wow. a high waiting list of women that are like trying to come. We like to clap it at 50 just so it's super personal and the women get time to like uh, network with each other, network with the mentors that we have there, the instructors, whoever we want to make it intimate and valuable. But um, women are always on the wait list and they're like, when's the next one? When's the next one? Come to Chicago, come to Austin, come to San Antonio. And, and I wish we could travel and, you know, create workshops all yeah. over, but I'm also trying to show them like you can do this too if you are a leader in your community or even if you're not you can absolutely create a latina geeks chapter in your community and mm -hmm. under lala and tanya's rule they basically give you the tools and they help you to create you know magic in your city so that was actually organization the perfect the perfect intro for my next question which yeah. was, was about, about the, the chapters yeah. and the scalability of latina geeks and you already started alluding to that so can you build a little bit more 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know right now we have chapters mostly on the West Coast, Seattle, San Francisco, Orange County, Los Angeles, and San Diego, of course. And then we are trying to cultivate a chapter in New York. Um, essentially, it's like when you take on this position, obviously it's a nonprofit volunteer-led role, but you really have to be passionate about your time. When I give my time to Latina Geeks events on Saturdays or things like that, I'm super excited about it. I meet so many incredible women, and everyone is just doing great things within their own organizations. Um, and it's easy to like connect women um, with mentors or things like that. So we'll often get emails like, hey, I want to work at, say, ESET or something like that. Well, actually, we just had an event there, so let me connect you with the person that works there. So not only are we trying to create more diversity, but also inclusivity and have people connect with actual human beings as opposed to just sending your application in and not really understanding where Mm -hmm. it's going from there. I think the scalability of Latina Geeks is tremendous. Um, The only obstacle really is finding people in those cities to take on this role. But I mean, Latinos are an economic force. We are, I think, the number one minority in the United States right now. There's absolutely yes, no are. reason why, yeah, there shouldn't be a Latina Geeks chapter in every major city of the United States and beyond. No, you're absolutely right. And for example, um, wh- what is the demographic that you serve? I mean, we know women, but do you have a specific age or do you? how early do you start? Um, our ages. I know that girls can come to our events as young as 16, but our okay. age is mostly college-level girls up until, I mean, after even, you know, some women come to our events that are much older and they've already retired. They just want to learn something new. So there's been women up to 50 and 60 yard events as well. I know that our, I can't even give you the majority of age because all the women are so various in ages okay. and they just want to learn something new or they come with their daughters or they say, Hey, my son's starting to code at school. I have no idea what he's doing. I just want a refresher on this or things like that. Oh, cool. No, and, and mm-hmm. that was that was my follow up question. Can can someone come with with their daughter, for example, and say like, look, mm-hmm. I want uh, I know you don't serve you know you know someone younger, but I want you to get exposed to this from early on and get inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, hear the stories, start learning, even if you're going to go in a different field. Yeah, we absolutely do um, create workshops like that for them. Okay. And we encourage people to bring their kids to, I mean, as long as they're maybe 14 and above, uh, I know 16 is our cap, but there has been younger girls there with the mom just kind of sitting there watching them work and things like oh, that. Cool. And that's really where the, I think that's really where the interest starts for young girls from like six to, to, to for uh, freshman year. Like that's yeah. when we really need to kind of lock them down into, hey, you can do this. This is cool. You can create this interactive game or you can create an app or things like that. Mm-hmm. You can do it. That's that's the, that's, that's the phrase. And I think mm-hmm. Vanessa said it, said it earlier. That was a very good point. That that right now technology is everywhere mm-hmm. you look. So it it doesn't matter which Every field industry. you're going to yeah. pick. You can't pretend like technology is not going to be there. Or that and you that won't you can, work in technology. You yeah. have to. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but even exactly. if you're an artist, like a with your hands. Well, those exactly. transactions, you need to be familiar with technology yeah. because that's how people are going to buy your work. See uh, your if you work. don't have yeah. a website, uh, you're going to be limiting yourself mm-hmm. way too much uh, mm-hmm. and not and, and being, absolutely. getting enough exposure if you're if you're pretending like you're going to ignore yeah. technology because it's not going to happen. I'm sorry, but it's coming. Yeah. So it's like no, it's, yeah. it's like the White Walkers. <laughs> you better embrace it. <laughs> <laughs> technology is coming. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. 
you know, we, when we had our cloud computing workshop with Microsoft, it was intro to cloud computing. A lot of women were a little bit hesitant to, is this something they can grasp? Are they going to understand? And then we broke it down, like, what what platform do you use? Google, Microsoft, um, you know, Dropbox, all these different things. Oh, yeah, I use this. Well, there's cloud computing. So it's really just breaking down this maybe word they've never encountered before, cloud computing, and letting mm-hmm. them know exactly what that is. Do you go onto your Google Drive? Do you access things? Where is that being held? You know, in a data center, blah, blah, blah. So it's really just sharing that knowledge with them, and then they feel comfortable. And maybe they wouldn't ask somebody at their work, work like, do you know what cloud computing is? They don't want to They don't want to ask that. But in a space with, like, women and Latina, Latinas, where we're here to show you and learn together, it's a very open, safe space and dialogue. And then, we like, the women that are our events are like, oh yeah, I do this. Hey, sometimes they even come back to our next event and I, I implemented SharePoint and now I'm doing this and it's really exciting. They're so excited to learn something new. Very cool. Hey, uh, listen, w- w- we have to do a little pause to pay the bills here, but uh, we'll be right mm-hmm. back in 20 seconds. Don't, don't okay, go anywhere. Sounds good. <laughs> no se vayan. CPA dudes where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize has broken down PR into a modular setup, keeping quality high and simply charging fees for the targeted PR you require. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Claudia and Edgar sent you. Perdón, bueno, ya estamos de regreso aquí en el Latino Founder Hour. Eh, Vanessa, eh, so our next question here is, um, how do you get your funding? How does the organization get funding? Um, mostly through corporate sponsorships. So okay. everything, yeah, everything that we do is sponsored, whether down to the drinks that we have or the food or the spaces. It, there'll be venue sponsorships and kind sponsorships, but most okay. of our funding is just via corporate sponsorships. Oh, okay. So so from the beginning, it's, it, we know it's a nonprofit or organization is running like that, but it's starting to, to work as a startup, you know, trying to scale mm-hmm. it. But so... And what's the path for, you know, uh, not monetization per se, but ha- sustainability, you know, making the organization financially sustainable? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the path is just to, you know, increase our corporate funding, kind of maybe a membership process for these corporations and give them, you know, exclusive access to maybe our members or um, recruiters, sort of things like that. But our goal is to just have enough funds to create um, scholarships for the women that are in organizations. A lot of them want to continue their education in different spaces. So our ultimately our big goal is just to have enough funding to, you know, pay for these five thousand, ten thousand, twenty dollar, I mean twenty thousand uh, scholarship programs for them. Okay, all right. Are you also receiving any kind of grants or? To my knowledge, we haven't. Um, and our San Diego chapter, I know that we've discussed a little bit of kind of contacting the city or very or various things like that, but we haven't followed through with them. We haven't gone through. Okay, and and you know, walk me through the process when when you guys open um, a new chapter. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, number one, how, how how do people find you? You know, I'm, I'm assuming you know through social media. Uh, what's the process for someone that wants like Sylvia maybe want to open the Portland chapter? It's like, how, how do you do that? 
Yeah, basically, um, Lala and Tanya will walk you through an onboarding process. They'll have an interview. They'll interview you with the board that they have just to confirm that you really want, you're serious about this, that you actually have spaces of, um, you know, creating these workshops for them as well. Then they do set you up with funding and they set you up with their contacts and you kind of move forward from there. I know Lala and, and Tanya will go to all the chapters that just open and kind of just walk you through everything that needs to be done to have a successful event. Okay. But basically they have all the tools for you to create a chapter. All essentially you're doing is, you know, the marketing and mm-hmm. the connections on your end and then tying it to theirs. Okay. But, but in, in the marketing sense, are you talking about also the fundraising or because, you know, that, that's, I think that's one of the number one constraints, you know, to create any, well, mm-hmm. pretty much anything, you know, where do you get the money? money? Because we, we do here, you know, Startup Week in Latino, Pitch Latino, it's completely volunteer based. We, you know, we just do it, you know, in our scarce free time. But, uh, you know, yeah. it's always the money. The, the, the money is always the issue, of course. Yeah, definitely. And Tanya and Lala both have full-time jobs as well. So this mm-hmm. is kind of their passion project that they, they do. I ultimately think the people that are in the cities that are starting these chapters are going to have the best connections to the companies that they work with. Obviously, we are um, partners with like companies such as Microsoft or ESET. They might have buildings. I mean, they have, might have companies in your city. So it's really mm-hmm. tying that connection together and oh, then perfect. you'll cultivate that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I think, you know, at least in Portland, I know that there are certain tech hubs. And, you know, we're not Seattle or Silicon Valley, but, you know, we, we do we have a Silicon import. Forest. We're the Silicon Forest. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm, we're not hey. Seattle. Hey. We, we're well, better. Okay. Uh-huh. Intel, Intel has about 20,000 employees yeah. here. Yep. It is the largest Intel site in the world. In the world. Yeah. Yep. Uh, even though headquarters are in San Francisco. Yeah, the de facto or headquarters. Santa Clara, but, to be exact. You know, operational headquarters um, are here. Former Intel employee here. Obviously, I know all the statistics, <laughs> and I'm still married to Intel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But there are... And you and, know... Go ahead. Sorry, guys. So the way sponsorships work for me, because I do a lot of sponsorships for Girls in Tech San Diego as well, it's all, it's, it's all marketing and networking, I feel like. It's really just telling one person about your vision and your story and what you're doing with your community and how their funds are going to help. Like, your funds are actually going to create impact and create mm-hmm. people that are going to go back into the workforce. So for me, it's basically what I share with like, um, you know, Trend Micro, Cox. Right now I'm trying to do something with uh, NASA JPL and it's just essentially sharing, sharing our story and giving them the data of where their money's going, how it impacts the community, different things like that. So It's always that I meet one person that works at this company and I say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Would you like to talk more about it? And it's all just relationship, uh, a little salesy, but more authentic because you're selling something that you actually love and care about. And this is your community. And these are people that you want to see in positions of power, you know, Latinas, Latinos. I'm wondering if, I mean, I'm sad that there's no Latina geeks chapter here in Portland, because my first question would be, are you connected with PDX Women in Tech? (laughs) Mm -hmm. As the first question, but I wonder if there's because there's a Seattle chapter. Yeah, There's probably a Seattle Women in Tech, and if they're not connected, Mm -hmm. they need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, if no, we can make it. I mean, no, and and I'm taking notes because we do have certain contacts. Uh, There's an organization, a couple of organizations that could 
be possible context here. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do here in the podcast as well. You're just doing that, connect the dots. Connecting the dots, just like you said yeah. earlier. And uh, make shit happen. Totally. And, and honestly, it's all about uh, collaboration over competition. There's so many women in tech groups here in San Diego, and we all are so mindful to attend each other's events, mm-hmm. to share each other's items, um, to cross-collaborate on events, because maybe someone might not feel super into what Latina Geeks is doing for whatever reason, but they might like what women in tech, what women who code are doing. So it's always just trying to give them that that visibility of these are all women in tech chapters. Meet all these women, work with all these women because they all have connections to maybe a place that you aspire to work at eventually. Okay. So I really, really love to drive that you know collaboration over competition. And if you're going to ask for something from someone, what can you give them as well? Yeah. No, and, and you know what? That's a very interesting point because... Uh, here, and I know in a lot of places, and with Latino collaboration, it's, it doesn't mix. Uh, mm-hmm. We've seen it, you know, and we, because we're in the startup world, we obviously, you know, are open to everyone. And Portland is actually very collaborative, mm-hmm. but not in the Latino market. And we, we're going to be honest. I mean, we see that a lot of uh, uh, blocking or ignoring up until the point that you're important. Ghosting. Yeah. Yeah. I ghosting. Was, I yeah. was wondering if you so, were going to bring it up because I was a oh, little, I, I no, just no. needed a little extra courage to bring that up because oh, I a, love what you're saying about yeah, collaboration, collaboration before competition. Mm-hmm. But sadly, it's not something that we're seeing so much in our culture as much as in, in other cultures yeah. here I, in Portland, at least. Uh-huh. Um, I and agree. And I think it's because people feel that there's such little spots for Latinos already. So they don't like if I'm in Latinas. I don't want Latinas in tech to have this opportunity, but it really is just unlearning all that, you know, those thoughts. It shouldn't be like that. It should be more of like, let's all connect together and let's break these walls down because if we're all trying to find little cracks on our own, we're not going to be as strong as we all are together doing this. No. Uh, you know what? We've seen it here, but that, that, that's what we have. Like, what has been your success and creating that ecosystem because here what we've seen is like fragmentation more people like well i'd rather just start my own non-profit than because now you know i can go for those dollars it's ultimately it's really sad but it's about money a lot of it is yeah they believe it's it's a pie and you're going to take away their piece instead of saying well this is not definitely yeah instead of making hey let's make the pie bigger a bigger pie a bigger pie with a much better impact for community like no let's go for the same tiny pie you're trying to steal my pie yeah Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's just, um, I was having this conversation with a friend recently and I was telling her, you know, if Trend Micro donates X amount to me and X amount to you, that's nothing to them because they're a billion dollar company. So we have to stop seeing money and asking for funds as, oh, this is ours and this is all they can give. These are Mm -hmm. all of these companies that we're working with, Intel, Microsoft, Cox, they're, they're billion dollar corporations. They have the means to support all these groups. You just have to take that that like scarcity out of your mindset you know what i mean obviously it's easier said than done um a personal story for me it's kind of worked when i first started working with girls in tech san diego it was really hard for me to kind of create relationships with other women in tech organizations or reach out to like qualcomm and and cox and different people asking for money because they didn't know who we were they didn't we had just started even though we were an international uh global like nonprofit organization they still who were we in san diego so it really took me going to like all these events, um, connecting with different women in tech groups, sharing their stuff, really showing that 
I'm I'm supporting them, that I'm here for their mission, you know, not really asking for anything in return for them to understand, oh, this is who she is. She's authentic. She really does just want to create a space for women in tech here. We want to work with her um, as opposed to just going in and asking for something before they even see the value in, in giving it to you. And that's the importance of networking face to face and not doing everything online. Online. And that's yeah. the one thing that contrary to all of our you know advocacy for technology this is something that technology is not going to it's not going to solve, solve entirely you yeah. need that personal human connection and the touch yeah uh, to create that relationship that's going to you know spearhead the the movement mm-hmm. or you know allow for that collaboration to happen uh, and i think yeah, even more so in our culture because we're way more of a interpersonal oh, relationship yeah. culture than other ones. Absolutely. Um, from colder climates. <laughs> to- to- yeah. Totally. We Back like to the White Walkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. So, Vanessa, so outside of this, um, you know, roadmap, what else uh, can can someone use? That, like, look, you know, I, I do have, a, I find inspiration. I want to make, I, I want to help you grow. What can we do in, in our end to to assist? Yeah, I mean, it's just basically finding what they're good at and what they like. We don't want to put anyone in a role that they don't want to do, especially since it's volunteer-based. So Mm -hmm. if they're great at creating programs of, um, you know, creating programs where people are trying to become developers or things like that, we really want to give them the tools to do that. So it's ultimately playing on your strong skills and what you do. I even tell people a lot of the times to volunteer their time in a nonprofit because maybe in your role, At your work, you're not doing what you actually like, but if you volunteer your time at a nonprofit, you can do the marketing or the programming or the sponsorships, and that's also really good experience because you're working with huge entities and you're working, you're collaborating with like-minded people as well. How are people finding you mostly online? I mean, these are technical like people; they're familiar with social media. What are the the best ways to find you online? Um, I hear a lot of people on Facebook is where they find our information uh, or they'll say a friend sent it to them. And I'm like, where is your friend finding this information? My number, I, you know, I love data. So I'm always like, where are you getting this mm-hmm. invite or this invitation? And a lot of it's from Facebook. And the second part is a friend shared it with them or a friend tagged oh, okay. them on it, things like that. So it seems like it's very community word of mouth based with what I've been hearing. Okay, fantastic. And, and you know, now, now going going back to the programs it's them, themselves, um, you know, you guys, mm-hmm. you, you talk about coding, you know, about STEM, but is there anything specific that you guys uh, do towards startups, like you know, do, being an entrepreneur, you know, starting your own company, but with the aims of scaling something, doing something scalable. And yeah, definitely. Um, we haven't done fundraising yet. I know that's on our, our hit list to do. We do a lot of personal branding and LinkedIn. We just did a LinkedIn workshop with Microsoft, how mm. to utilize that for yourself and for a small business. We're going to do business marketing with UCSD in the in August here in San Diego. Last year, we had um, an entrepreneur marketing type of event where basically people were learning how to track the analytics of their stuff, how to create hyperlinks, how to uh, check the Uh, SEO of their our items and things like that. So for startup based, we haven't really dove deep. What we've mostly been focusing on this past year is personal branding, uh, cloud computing, cybersecurity, and um, intro to coding. Oh wow! Which are all links yeah. on their Instagram account. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I already yeah, saw. Okay. Basically, yeah. as 
we kind of create events based on what the community wants. So we'll send out surveys at the end of each event. And we'll, oh, cool. we have a private Facebook group called Latina Geeks Chapter Members. Um, anyone's welcome to join if it's interested. And we'll often put polls in there. What What do you want to see the next event? Do you want to see cybersecurity, cloud computing? Do you mm. want to see business marketing? So we kind of just go off what our community tells us that they want. We won't really ever kind of go live with an event unless we know for a fact that over 50 to 60 percent of our community has asked for it okay now it, it, are, are these groups women only i mean i'm asking for a friend for a daughter yeah. for a friend that has two daughters yeah 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 no it's it's men and women and it's great because men will interact on there they'll share stuff okay. even our latina geeks events they're for men as well and we'll always get messages like can i come and we're like yes please come and um okay. our, sal rosales who tanya mentioned that works at microsoft he leads most of our workshops and he is incredible to connect with as well Women will tell him, like, oh, we, we want a mentor, we want to follow up. He says when he goes home that evening after an event that he'll have 10 messages from women saying, like, how do I do this? And he'll just connect them to the proper so proper resources that oh, they cool. need. I will yeah. say from, uh-huh. from personal experience and, um, like I said, in the tech world, there were, for example, at Intel, there was there is a women at Intel conference mm-hmm. where there's a lot of topics specifically about women in the workplace, women in technical spaces, women being the minority, etc. And sometimes men were very brave to attend mm-hmm. and they it was it was great for them to see this see this, you know, event and understand so many the things that they were yeah, that they yeah. were just not aware of because Definitely. that's not yeah. their norm and they would realize a lot of things and then they were they were able to become advocates for mm-hmm. the women and that was perfect in 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 multiple different areas especially in places where it, it was obviously very common like i said groups where only men are talking and making decisions mm-hmm. these men that attended the women conference were able to, I mean, obviously not from their own perspective, but give in a little bit of a different opinion about how a woman might be impacted by the decisions being made by a group of men. Yeah. Um, no, that's what I said. That, I that, that, that's just, what I would find. Yeah. But, you know, being a man, that might sound, number one, intimidating. Or, like, well, mm-hmm. if, if, if it's branded like that, like, hey, this is a women's event, you're like, well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go because, it, you know, it's not for... Definitely. Yeah, you don't want to take up space that's not yours. That is um, not naturally. exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, and that's exactly. why they're doing the asking, which is awesome. And they're like, yeah, Can, I "May it. I attend?" And you mm-hmm. say, "Yes, please attend, and please become an advocate, and please recruit yeah. more Latina women to Definitely. to join our organization." Uh, yeah, and as much as I love Latino focused, you know, events and groups, it's really important to kind of diversify your network and mm-hmm. go to other organizations and speak with what are they dealing with, what's their problem. So then you can kind of collaborate together on best solutions. If it's all one Latino group or, you know, homogeneous type of group, there's not gonna be any solutions that are made. Um yeah you know, like that can really impact the workforce because we're all seeing things with our bias, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and obviously you to get a different perspective. I, from love, different, yeah. I love what you just said because it reminded mm-hmm. me of um, something that, um, again, this is back to my, to my years as a computer engineer at Intel, but mm-hmm. like you said, 
if we only focus on Latinos, we ignore mm-hmm. that there might be other groups yeah. facing similar problems. That and that's exactly service. what mm-hmm. HR at Intel realized several years ago, that the black population and the Latino population mm-hmm. were experiencing very similar situations of, definitely. let's call it isolation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so they created a training program. Originally, it was made only for black employees. But then somebody opened their eyes and said, look, the Latino population is experiencing mm-hmm. the same thing. Why don't you add them to this training on t- telling them how to navigate the corporate world as a person of color? So yeah. it became a, a training for the, the message, two yeah. groups. And like you said, amplify the, the message. And there was a lot mm-hmm. of collaboration and camaraderie between the groups that, w- that wouldn't have been possible if you had just focused oh, on the one you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, ethnicity or yeah. race. Yeah. Definitely. No, it's incredible. And spaces like Latina Geeks, they give you access to information, knowledge, tools. Um, you get to talk about ideas that maybe you don't feel comfortable talking about in your work for whatever reason. There's a lot of lack of mentorship and career guidance in the Latina community or just, I think, people of color communities, black communities all. So kind of having us all together sharing what's what we're facing is really important. Um, they can really amplify your voice, like you said. No, t- totally. And, and you know what, uh, right now, you know, going back to the, the startup, because this is a startup-minded um, mm-hmm. uh, podcast, is, is there any plans for you to start fostering, you know, the, you know, women that want to, you know, begin their startups or, um, you know, well, not only women, but, you know, anybody else? Yeah, anybody or yeah, like it would some of the people attending your like events exactly, that, yeah. are, that are startup founders. startup founders and connecting them to some of these Latino yeah. Latino founder oh. or whatever organizations. Absolutely. I think that's a good bridge. Investors, all that. Yeah. And that is absolutely already happening, especially in the Facebook group. There will be people sharing like, hey, I, I'm, I, this is what I do for a living. We're hiring this engineer. So these jobs are already getting shared within our Facebook group or via email and things like that. A lot of the times, too, um, people that are having their, start- their, their startups or looking for people in certain positions, they'll reach out to Latina Geeks before, you know, maybe they reach out onto wherever else to see if there's someone in their community they can hire prior to putting it out there. Okay. Now, and, um, you know, do, do you envision anything, you know, as support um, or, or even you, you know, personally, mm-hmm. you know, launching a startup? Um, I'm not sure. I often, you know, play around with it. Like, what do, what's my personal goal in my life? What I want to do? I definitely love to create events for the communities. Um, as I was kind of prepping for this, this event, I was just thinking of all the companies that I worked for and all these incredible diversity and inclusion type of events that I've created for them. But then I don't really see the aftermath of it. Yeah. Like what I worked with Amazon, AWS, ESA, Trend Micro, Cox, through these these nonprofits that I work for, that's great. But I'm wondering what what's actually happening within the organization. Um, I have friends that work at each and they're, they have such great experiences working there, but they, they wish that they were, like it was, like some like female lounge from female uh, quotient, they do this thing where they go to all the major tech conferences all over the world and they create this space for women in technology to go, you know, tech conferences are predominantly male mm-hmm. to go in there and talk about women issues and things like that. So sometimes when I think about the vision of what I want to do, I would like to create something like that for tech companies too. They, a lot of them have their own women in tech organizations there, but I would love to give them more tools or more access to other information. So, I don't know. I often, like, think of different things like that. 
No, I lo love it. And, you know, mm -hmm. is, is there any way for, you know, for that message for, or whatever program um, that can be connected through all the, you know, all the major companies and not only in the U.S., mm -hmm. I mean, worldwide, because this is not worldwide, a problem just yeah. in the U.S. I mean, obviously it goes, uh, it goes everywhere. I mean, this is a message that we've heard, you know, in Latin America, in Europe and, you know, in, in Asia as well. You know, knowledge is power and people are still learning the difference between an advocate and a sponsor and a mentor and why they need each and, you know, different tools of kind of dealing with microaggressions or dealing with discrimination. Discrimination, how do we navigate that professionally and with impact? Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am and with I'm you. And I'm sure Sylvia can give you a lot of examples. I mean, I've, I've heard mio. she's told me... A, a I would have to sit so for some coffee <laughs> or wine or something, yes. you and me, and FaceTime for a long time. Or I could visit oh, you in San Diego, you know? Anyway. Yeah, that would I'm be open. better. That would be much better. <laughs> Except right now, San Diego's cloudy and Portland is sunny, it's so sunny. you come over it's here. Gorgeous. No, no, yeah. no, yeah. We can go I'll on a wine tour. I'll of our, our San Diego events. I know I just got back from Baila Guadalupe this past weekend, and you guys have to go to Ensenada. It's like my favorite place in the world. Oh, my gosh. Jealous, yeah. super jealous. I know. Tacos de pescado, like uh, yeah, jealous. that's the beauty why, of uh, San Diego. Why are you making me hungry? Uh, Every Friday lunch, we have this issue. Every Friday we have the same problem that Edgar starts Definitely. talking about either drinks or, or food. food. Yes, it's that well. Friday energy. Another big tech hub um, to kind of watch Tijuana. Like Tijuana's doing oh, incredible really? thing. Yes, and their organ, like their software developers will travel to San Diego and work. And one thing that really irritates me is they'll try to pay them like a Mexico rate or like in oh pesos. And I'm like, gosh. no, dude, pay them what they deserve. But I also feel in our community that people feel so grateful to have these jobs, even though they're more than qualified, yeah. more than educated to do. Don't be grateful. This is your space. Take it up, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but, demand your worth. Yeah. yeah, I didn't exactly. know about Tijuana because I know Guadalajara has an amazing, yeah. has amazing tech, yeah. tech presence, but yeah. Tijuana no. is a new one. I'm going to keep well, it on the radar. And, and you we have, um, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, we have a Startup San Diego week and we do a whole binational track because Tijuana oh, has so gosh. many uh, like tech hubs that they have, their little companies that they have that are doing really well. And San Diego really cultivates that binational relationship. The San Diego Chamber of Commerce is always in Tijuana. They have a lot of good dialogue. So we kind of operate as one entity, even though we're two oh, different fantastic. cities. Fantastic. Yeah. No when, when is Startup San Diego week? I'm going to put it on my calendar it's, strategically. Yeah, it's in... It's in June. I'll send you all the information. Oh, next but month. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. already coming up, but it's it's really really cool. I'll make myself available. We would love to collaborate I because we're sacrifice. the organizers of Startup Week in Latino here in Portland. Oh, so perfect. we would love to yes. to see what you guys we, are doing. Uh, recently, yeah. Edgar is one of the the creators of something called Pitch Latino. Yeah. Yes. Which yes. is a pitching competition for Latino entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. and. Edgar, I don't understand why he's not bragging, but he should be. They got <laughs> a lot of sponsorships. Yes. And we, there were, what, eight different presenters eight different this presenters. year? One that, flew from New York. One of them flew from wow. New York. On his he own. He won. And he won. No, yeah. Not because he flew. No, no, no. Yeah. No, he yeah. was incredible. He knew. And yeah. it was Queerly Health, uh, yes. which I thought of specifically this week because of the news regarding yeah. uh, the... Yeah, the yeah. administration's decision to allow medical providers to reject um, things based mm -hmm. on religious mm -hmm. 
affiliation, affiliation. of beliefs. Yeah. And that is precisely why you need businesses like Queerly Health. Yeah. That one pitch Latino, I'm sure next year is going to be even better. Every year they make it bigger and better and it makes... Yeah, you know, and, and that's what splash. we're tra- trying to create, you know, impact in the community, you know, make people Definitely. know that we're capable of doing great things with very little, less resources Definitely. than everybody. Because anybody. we are very resourceful yes. people. We, I, that part of like the, the Latino creativity of, well, we don't have so, that much money, so let's figure sauce. it out. Yeah. Uh, instead of assuming that you need $10,000 to pull off an event sometimes pulls pulls out some of our thinking caps and you know massages them to give us the best yeah. possible well, Latinos, things for we're, we're strategic where we have endurance we have a lot of really great skill um without having these access to large funds or large money or trust funds things like that we just make it happen you know any which way we can and we do it with style which is important exactly i like it yeah. we make it happen we make we do it with style with style and happy mm-hmm. so vanessa yeah. where, where can we find you you know online is there anything that you know that, that you want to you know finish conclude with yeah, definitely. I mean, follow us on latinageeks.com, Latina Geeks Art. Please join our Latina Geeks chapter members of Facebook group. A lot of great jobs, scholarships, things are, are shared in there. Um, I've gotten a lot of connections through to different things from there. Sometimes people can attend big conferences. They want to share their ticket. It's just a really great community. So we're on Instagram, Twitter, at latinageeks.com. And then mine is Miranda V, but the A is a four because someone already had my name. <laughs> no, because that's geeky. <laughs> that's yeah, ge- that's, yeah, there yeah. you go. Lead speak. Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't justify it. Yeah, yeah, don't apologize. Awesome. <laughs> okay, okay, you're right. <laughs> hey, Vanessa, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Saludos a Tania y a Lala. Uh, and and mm-hmm. just keep it going. Keep the successes coming. Definitely. I appreciate it. And I am hope to see you guys next month in, in uh, San Diego. Would love to. We would love would to. We would love to. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us in Latino Founder Hour. Los saluda Edgar, fundador de Clica. Silvia, fundadora de Tono Latino. Nos vemos el próximo viernes 11 Pacífico. Chao. Feliz, Feliz fin viernes. de semana. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionist. For small businesses like yours, nothing is more valuable than real human interaction. It's why two out of three mobile web searches for those ready to buy end in a phone call to a business. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com slash startupradio to sign up or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code startupruby. Tell them Claudia and Edgar sent you. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin McLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero. 